I kept my promise Don't keep your distance Hello, welcome to uh, Gale Boys, the podcast you're currently listening to. I'm uh, President Jordan, joined by my uh, friend to the West, uh, President William. Uh, to welcome my subjects to another episode of Gale Boys. This is our first episode of 2024 in earnest. I'm so excited to do this because this is a this is a fun one to put together because it's a genre we've never done before. A group of people in front of and behind the camera who shouldn't even be in the same room together, let alone do a movie. Uh, it's got a wild production history. This is uh, Aveta, the 1996 adaptation of the musical. I didn't really know what to expect when I watched this, but I'm I'm kind of floored, and not in all the good ways, I would say. I had uh, never seen this before. I'm not really like a musical theater guy. Like, musical theater to me is the world into of itself, weirdly compre- like, incomprehensible. Like, I tried watching Cats once and gave up 15 minutes in because it's like, what is this? What, what is this fucking story meant to be? Whereas oh. Avita, because it's based on actual real-world events, is... Um, you can actually, like, properly get engaged with it. Well, Cats is a great comparison because a bu- someone involved with this production was involved with Cats. But oh. uh, before we get into really... We, this is like an autopsy. I gotta sit and I gotta cut the brain out. I gotta do all this shit. It's a fucking wild episode. Before we get into all that, let's get into the news. I read mystery books. Not much to talk about today other than... A little bit of the Epstein list dropped, not all of it. They're going to release it piecemeal, and I'm, that makes me very, I'm very excited for that because uh, I'm going to get more stuff to talk about later. And I saw an amazing tweet. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but somebody sent me this great tweet where they said they're treating this list drop like a fucking rapper's album dropping or something. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a life service game at this point. Like the content's slowly getting dripped, filled into the, uh, into the public. Which is weird. I feel like most people already know the the names involved in this. Yeah. Like everyone knows about Trump, everyone knows about Quentin and Dershowitz and shit. Yeah, not not, not much new information. Like yeah. some of the more like obviously Clinton's names on there. Trump's, fifty times baby. Yeah, fifty good old, times baby. Good old stuck well. Oh, there's one guy who's We'll get into it, but yeah, there's also some of the more fun names for me were Elon Musk. Elon, is, Musk. Uh, Elon Musk is mentioned by name like 33 times, and it's like, yeah, he's been uh, surprisingly quiet since then. I think that's the best thing to do, unlike one person we're going to get into, and I want to save mm. him for last because. Uh, but the one that really got me was uh, David Copperfield, was <laughs> not only mentioned by name, which is one thing, but actively told because this list is based on a deposition that someone took during the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Um, he went to this woman and basically admitted to knowing what Jeffrey Epstein was up to. He got his way into the uh, the flight logs by uh, showing Epstein the uh, the spoon trick. Epstein was so blown away by the bending spoon. He was like, yeah, you can come uh, fuck kids with us on the, uh, on the sex island. Yeah, uh, it's just so fucking fun. That, that, honestly, he has been accused of sexual like harassment and assault a couple oh, yeah, of times. Yeah. So him being on this list is not shocking in the fucking slice. The one that I loved was uh, former Israel Prime Minister Ehud Brack, which also kind of relighted my theory that Jeffrey Epstein's entire operation was a... like blackmail op by Mossad and the CIA because he like visited his house over a dozen times and you know yeah, well, was, was it, uh, more than 10 but less than 100 yeah 
And it's like, what does that mean? Well, that, that was something I, I wish I brought up previously because that was always a conspiracy that people brought up was that he was running a blackmail op and like Mossad was involved, the CIA. Oh, yes. And that absolutely like kind of relighted my thing when I saw him. I was like, oh, yeah. A bunch of other fun names on here. Like, I'm just kind of kind of read through this list kind of cold. Yeah, what, babe, before you do, when uh, Epstein first got, got for uh, soliciting a minor, uh, Alex Acosta, um, Trump's former Labour secretary was told to drop the case because um, Epstein was quote unquote part of intelligence, uh, whatever that could mean. Yeah, no, that's uh, this. This is so fucking great. All of this shit that we'll never know about fully because he's fucking dead, and he would have gl- the shit he could have spilt, man. My God, mm, fuck. But uh, other names on here. My uh, two that got me were Michael Jackson and Kevin Spacey. Now. They're only mentioned in passing because I firmly believe that Kevin Spacey and Michael Jackson, while complete creeps and definitely guilty of the shit they did, they're not into what Epstein was selling. They're into a completely different fucking thing. Yeah, because Michael Jackson is a... He's a weird, child-hungry uh, pedophile, but he's also, like, he's kind of like the uh, anti-Epstein. Epstein's, like, this very high-profile financier that fucking mingles with, uh, like, the cream of society. Whereas Jackson is happy just like fucking around with kids all the time in his weird Willy Wonka uh, pedophile park. I think I think you brought the you you set this up perfectly. Michael Jackson is the Willy Wonka version of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, I, uh, I picture him like coming out dressed in the Willy like Gene Wilder, like but, it's, <laughs> but instead of of selling chocolate, it's fucking children. It's and I, by the way, I really would love to do a Michael Jackson retrospective because. Uh, some of the, again, this relighted my conspiracy brain again because some of this shit about that Michael, particularly that last case in like 2005, the the tour of his house that the police department did, where there's like secret rooms and shit. It looks like creepy as hell. The house itself and the actual evidence of child pornography they did find that was never brought up in court. Oh, he paid off all the uh, the parents before the fucking uh, like mountain of child porn could be brought to court. And it's just like, yeah, say what if you want about Michael Jackson, the parents of those kids are like vastly more evil. Oh, uh, like, 100%. If a fucking Michael Jackson approach you and be like, can I spend the night with your child? You'd be like, uh, no, dude, I'm sorry. As, as much as I enjoy Thriller, uh, no. Well, I mean, again, go watch Leaving Netherland. People like talk shit about uh, that. that documentary really is... But the one I love bringing up is the Martin Bashir documentary. Mm. Uh, I know Martin Bashir is disgraced and the Princess Die stuff made him a real scumbag. But that documentary is, it's revealing and it, it, it's its revealing in a way that I very, you very rarely see with a documentary about celebrities. Because it's like they go to the fucking place in Vegas where he's talking about like, I bought everything here and the creepy shit he does with the baby, putting the bridal veil over its fucking face. It's, it's such a, it's revealing. And that last interview as well is full of just wild fucking clips. Is it really appropriate for a 44 year old man to share a bedroom with a child who is not related to him at all? That's a beautiful thing. That's, that's not a worrying thing. Why should it be worrying? Who's the criminal? Who's who's Jack the Ripper in the room? This is a guy trying to help heal a child. I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor. I gave him the bed because he has a brother named Star. So him and Star took the bed and I'm on the floor in the sleeping bag. Did you ever sleep in the bed with them? No. But I have slept in the bed with many children. I sleep in the bed with all of them. When Macaulay Culkin were little, 
Kieran Culkin would sleep on this side. Macaulay Cook is on this side. His sister's in there. We're all just jamming the bed. And we'd wake up like dawn and go in the hot air balloon. You know, we would, we'd have the footage. We, I have all that footage. But is that right, Michael? It's very right. It's very loving. That's what the world needs now. More love, more the world. More, the world needs more a heart. the world needs a man who's forty-four sleeping no, in a you're bed with it, children. No, no, you're making it all wrong. Well, well tell me, help me. Because, what's wrong with sharing a love? You, you don't sleep with uh, your kids or some other kid who needs love, who didn't have a no, good childhood. No, no, I don't. I would never dream of sleeping. I would. I would. Sleep. I would never dream. Because you've never been where I've been mentally. For sure, it's interesting because he was the pro-lifeer. Like, he would just hang around with, uh, like, weird high-profile people when people would like, ask him questions until, like, right at the end. And then he does the uh, the princess die thing and, and fucks everything up. Yeah, no, I, I re- that documented that. All that shit with Princess Die ruined him. Yeah. Absolutely fucking princess, ruined him. Princess Di, the, uh, the Vita of, uh, of Britain, now that I think of it. Very good comparison. Very good. The, 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 this, like, weird cultural figure that just sort of lingers forever, even though she died fucking, like, 30 years ago now. Yeah, um, some other names I love on here. Uh, Naomi Campbell, who's another woman with some weird... She's like Courtney Love, where... Every, oh, yeah. The more you read about her, the more suspicious you get with like Naomi Campbell. She was fans friends with Ghislaine Maxwell, and Naomi Campbell did hold a birthday party for her. Even if you didn't know, that's a big hit to your personal credibility, <coughs> I would say. Courtney Love is also mentioned like circled in Epstein's black book. And it's like if you're on the flight logs like Matt Groening, sure, you just you just took a trip with this rich guy, whoever. But if you're like if you're in his book and if you have your name circled in it, you're like you're definitely involved in something. Well, I mean, and that's like that that is the Necronomicon for me. If if, if this shit like ever spills from that, then it's game over for a lot of people. I, I would say this about Epstein and that the whole like if you're like because I know we talk about Matt Gray, but like eight years before he becomes you know, he becomes the infamous figure that he does, he was already accused of shit and like was convicted. And if you're someone with any, like, credibility, you would read that and think, oh, I'm not associating with this guy at all. So that's on you, I'd say. If you, if you, if this guy who you can easily read that he was accused of shit, was convicted, and that's on you. So it's like, do I want to associate with a guy with this on his record? In 2007, he, like, first gets caught. If you're on the plane before that, fine, whatever. Yeah. But Epstein is, um, Epstein's one of, like, the few people who managed to warm his way out of the uh, sex offenders register, which is fucking impossible. That's... The amount of, like, power and influence you would need to, like, get off that is, uh, is pretty unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis on here, which is fine with me. He doesn't mm-hmm, even yeah. know where he is, so no one can ask no, questions. But no. He's fine. He's he's so lucky. I hate to be a dickhead and say this, but he's so lucky his brain fried before this shit came out. But uh, Cameron Diaz is one that really like, what? The Shrek lady? Okay. Yes. Again, I feel like if you're just some like famous actor, fine, a, like rich person offers you a lift in their plane, whatever. But if you're Bill Clinton, yeah. you take like what was it like twenty five trips or something? Uh, why did? Well, uh, I, I mean, you, I, it, you, you're the you're the president. You have your own fucking plane. I'm gonna post some stuff when we in the show notes because I do think it's worth a read because a lot of these names are might not be involved in anything. A lot of these names are just Epstein would use this to honeypot people. 
he'd be like, oh, yeah. hey, I'm friends with this famous person. You like them? Like, probably why they're on there. Because they're yeah. not really... Like the same for fucking uh, Jocelyn Maxwell. Oh, like, yeah. the, the, the insane photo of her with uh, Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> I, I can't imagine he's, like, up to stuff. But it's like, yeah, she just, like, hanging around with fucking rich people. You never know at this point, man. No, you, you never know. I've seen showgirls. Maybe that's what he's like in real life. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Uh, but where were you, Kyle McLaughlin, during that period? Like I said, there's so many fucking names. The Stephen Hawking is also one that yeah. really fucking... Why? His dick doesn't even work. Why the fuck is he in... is he getting involved with this shit? Oh, Epstein likes hanging around with uh, very smart people. Hans Krauss and Pinker and shit. Because Epstein always seemed like a dumb guy. He sort of elevated himself by hanging around with smart people. But it's like, yeah, I'm hanging around with uh, like harvard alumni or whatever to uh, to get myself out there and also he was like obsessed with quoting as well so why am i not surprised by that at all like a a narcissistic uh sex offender would want to clone himself not obviously he wanted to like freeze his brain and his dick so he could like stick in a robot body that's the fun part about Jeffrey Epstein. Even though we died, he, we we may never know the full depravity of his sexual... Like, we did our Jimmy Savile episode, and I fully said, like, he was going down that kind of road if he wasn't there already. I'll fuck animals. I'll I'll do all this crazy shit. Because that's the end result. Like, after a while, that shit's not going to cut it anymore. So let's get into robot fucking and brain fucking at this point. Like, that's just the natural end result. Yeah. But... I think the, uh, like, only thing Epstein wasn't involved in was incest. Which is kind of funny because the uh, new Argentinian president is uh, mm. is very much into that. The reason why we're doing it is because the, the new presidents are some psycho who fucking managed to like edge his way into Argentinian politics. Yeah, a, a terminal- and it's like, man, come down from like Juan Perón to this guy. Uh, is, a, uh, a terminally online, mentally unstable man with an incest fetish. Let's make him president. And yeah. it's going as well as you hoped it would. Oh yeah, day one, just the economy shits himself because he announces that, like, we're moving away from the peso to the dollar. And it's like, your country doesn't have enough dollars to, like, make that the currency. Why why, why did you think this was a good idea? He's going to be killed. You know they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. They have to. It's like Caligula. We have to kill him. There's no way we can keep this going this has to end yeah. now but uh before, no. before well, we... argentina has like a very long list of coups like Peron himself as famously could the exact same year the a musical premiered which is uh, uh... now be- <laughs> jesus a good timing is that uh before we get into we, we move on uh i want to tease something because we're gonna we were gonna do a bonus but it's it's mushroomed into now it's going to be a full episode so keep an eye on this for the future Alan Dershowitz, his name shows up in this document over a hundred times. Bye. From literal page one onward, uh, describing some crimes he committed. And a lot of the people on this list, like Elon Musk, like Trump and Clinton, smart enough to be like, okay, let's just shut the fuck up. Hopefully this will blow over and we could continue. Uh, Alan decides to do this differently. He goes on Sean Hannity, because Sean Hannity has no morals. You could say whatever you fucking want on his show. And had a defense. Even hardcore defenders would be like, what the fuck did you just say? The one point I do want to make is that I understand 
all the feminist groups and the radicals who think this is the worst thing in the world that anybody ever had any contact with Jeffrey Epstein. Where are all those radical feminists when it comes to the Hamas rapes of young Jewish girls, sexual abuse, beheadings? They are quiet, they are silent. The incredible hypocrisy of the Me Too movement. Me Too, except if you're a Jew. If uh, And I wanna have a list of all the radical feminists who are pushing hard, and I understand that, to get all these names revealed. And I wanna know how many of them have ever actually condemned Hamas for the rapes that we now know occurred and the murders that occurred. How many have been silent? And how many, like the National Lawyers Guild, have actually approved of what Hamas did? So let's put this in context. Dershowitz, so there's like a, a release of Files guy, like ever since Epstein uh, died, Dershowitz, like a vocal um, release of the papers, I'll be vindicated. And then immediately after that happens, he goes on this 21 minute long rant about how Virginia Jeffrey is a liar. She's lying about me raping her and fucking Jeffrey Epstein's apartment. If you're fucking Kevin Spacey, like, fine, you're briefly mentioned there, but like, it's, it's not enough that Dershowitz is named as Epstein's lawyer. Like, it goes into graphic detail about what exactly he did with Virginia Goffrey. He's always like, and again, he brings up feminism for some reason because he wrote, I think he wrote a whole book about how Me Too is bullshit, which yeah, not a uh -huh. good look in hindsight when you're on Jeffrey Hep, when you're mentioned over a hundred <coughs> times in a deposition involving sex trafficking. Where, where were they worth Hamas? Like, they, like really trying to like really capture the pulse of the current moment, but it, uh, yeah, no, this is that I would have just not done the interview if I was him, but, um, be very curious to see where he goes from here if um if anything yeah. at all comes from this but hopefully fucking jail for that that's uh very unlikely that was the thing like um when epstein got got everyone thought like oh he's got to go down over this uh maxwell uh dershowitz and everyone thought because dershowitz outlived his usefulness he would go down and it's like not not even hounds fucking uh not even he can go down he won't go to jail but there will be like Maybe a trial spawned from this over Dershowitz. Oh, there's going to be something. Uh, it, it be it like a civil case or something. Like, I don't know the statute of limitations, depending on where this took place and sh legal shit, but there has to be some repercussion. When You can't have your name over a hundred times in a document like this. It's, it, it's bad. It's really fucking bad. He's supposed to be some, like, smart, highfalutin lawyer. And he just like bumbles his way through this entire thing. Also, he's he's, he's lasted doing like the most reprehensible shit. Also, which, if uh, you're if you're if you're living in a space with conservatives, which are all 100 percent, don't do the freaky shit. You got to be respectable, and it doesn't look good. Although Trump, at the like, Trump's the but, only one who can get away with this shit. I would but, say. But when you say that, all these fucking like. Oh, these hitting MAGA pigs! Oh, these fucking conservatives! They know Trump's a pedophile. They, oh, they yeah. read that fucking list and they see him there, but they're absolutely going to frog march to the polls in like a month's time and fucking vote for him, knowing he did that shit. That's why I fucking hate conservatives, because they fucking know deep down they should know fucking better and they choose not to. Oh, oh, uh, fucking they covered up for him. How many, I remember like Fox News and Newsmax were like, they would list names and wouldn't list any of the conservative people. Oh, yeah. Fuck, fuck was it Alex Jones saying like any list that has Trump on it is fake and it's like aren't you supposed to be the anti-deep state guy uh 
you've made your bed lie in it, but it's, I don't, I just, I don't, fuck me. It's just, it's so, and this should transcend politics. I don't give a shit which side of the line you're on. This should transcend your political bullshit because this is reprehensible. If I, I don't even, if someone I deeply admired was on this list and had the shit they had, I would think they're a piece of shit too. That's just the yeah. human thing to say. Like, oh, you did this horrible thing and you should be treated horribly for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, if a fucking Slavoj Žižek was on that flight list, I would be on a fucking flight to you know, uh, fucking Ljubljana and chabbing his fucking door. What are you doing, dude? Like, yeah. I know Chomsky's on there, but uh, you as well. Uh, say, say whatever you want about Juan Perón, not a sex pest. <laughs> well, when we get in the movie, there's uh, the way that it's, this relationship's kind of portrayed is is weirdly, like... <laughs> But, <laughs> it's, it's it's like weirdly psychosexual compared to like the world leaders we have now. Peron was like fucking normal man. Yeah, he's yeah. like one of the most normal guys to like come of that time period. Especially when you consider he did like he learned most of his like way to worm his way through politics through Benito Mussolini when he was oh, yeah. kind of working his way up, which is not a normal lesson in politics at all. In Buenos Aires, hundreds of thousands of Argentinians wait to pay their last personal tributes to 30-year-old Eva Perón, the farm girl who, in nine years, rose from a movie extra to be the most powerful woman in the Western world as wife of Argentine dictator Juan Perón. As the people mourn, the government announces final services will be held two years from now in a monument soon to be built. Uh, let's transition to our main juice of the day. Uh, Aveta, uh, the 1996 film, co-written, co-written in quotes, I should point out, by Alan Parker, produced and directed the film as well. Um, it's also based on a stage play by Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, which, again, the Cats comparison, obviously. Uh, this is yeah, a... Th 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 this is about as far away from Cats as you could possibly get. Cats is one of the gayest things I've ever seen, whereas... Uh... It's, it's weird because it's like it's very straight laced, but it also has like these weird moments of horror, which I chalked into like the few remaining parts of Oliver Stone's script. The play was released in 1976. Uh, like we brought this up, literally like the year Juan Perot would lose power. Eva Perón dies in uh, 52 and 55. Perón is cured for the first time, and then um, we get like two weird military dictators and then uh in uh, 1972 he comes back for four years and is uh then cured by the catholic church which is uh oh that sucks yeah it's that that's what's so interesting about this movie you never really see like the politics of argentina at the time no. may as well before we get into the actual film earnestly i want to read about the production here because I brought up this is based on a stage play. Again, Tim Rice, um, uh, Andrew Lee Weber, they had both just done Jesus Christ Superstar, which, again, makes this even weirder that after that, they would be like, let's do a musical on Ava and Juan Perón, which, but this had a long journey. Um, this The original plan was to start late 70s, where Alan Parker was the first person brought up, believe it or not. He had just rapped Fame. And obviously he didn't want to do back-to-back -back musicals. Then he goes and does The Wall, which is kind of ironic. I don't want to do back-to-back -back yes. musicals. I'm going to go do Pink Floyd's The Wall, which honestly the best comparison for this for Aveda is probably The Wall. When we get into Alan Parker's direct 
director's career because it's a it's a weird list a weird eclectic list of movies the one was probably dare i say more political than the fucking Juan Perón movie, Bob Geldof running around like just as a Nazi, calling people faggot. Whereas here, the most political Avita uh, gets is when Antonio Banderas sings the coup song like 20 minutes in. Uh, my, my favorite is the one where it's like one lyric. Screw the middle classes, I will never accept them. <laughs> which is a very, which is, Madonna kills that line perfectly. But uh, just real quick, we'll keep going here. Uh, it went through... Warner Brothers had it, MGM had it, Paramount had it, everyone from Barbra Streisand was involved. Ken Russell was offered in the early 80s, which would have been a completely different movie had Ken Russell done this. Ken Russell's movies, they feel like stage productions. Like, if you've ever seen The Devils, that's like, that's like a stage production turned into a movie. Theatrical, very over the top and stuff. Yeah, I can imagine this being like very different if he did this. Well, I mean, he was he was offered it because he did Tommy, which nice. I mean, at this point, I think most people didn't even know the Devils existed at the time, or at least saw the because if anyone at parent like whoever was producing saw the Devils, I'm like, fuck, we're not hiring this guy, Jesus. <laughs> Robert Stigwood would get involved if you don't know. Robert Stigwood was the producer of Saturday Night Fever, Grease. Uh, kind of fell off around the mid-80s after staying alive in Greece 2. <laughs> Those back-to-back, that's a rough couple. That's a rough fucking... But, uh, yeah, he offered it to Herbert Ross, who also turned it down. He did Footloose. I'm kind of all over the place because it really was, like, just a dozen different producers and a dozen different directors went through this over and over again. Alan J. Pakula was involved at one point. Richard Attenborough was offered, which would have been awesome. Francis Ford Coppola also was offered. Just a who's who of fucking insane directors. The the opening of the film does kind of remind me of The Godfather. Oh, the big funeral set piece? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Godfather, yeah. oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But then eventually it would land in the hands of Oliver Stone, who, although I said in co-writer in question, because uh, some stuff happened during the production. So Oliver Stone came in, uh, wrote the script. Stone wanted Meryl Streep to play him. Yeah. Like I, again, this is the insane list of people that are here. They were about to go into production in 1989, and then the riots happened in Argentina, which obviously was a big problem because of that whole political stuff. So that was that event. And then the rights fell apart. Carol Coe bought it. And then Stone stepped away to do the doors. The And then Walt Disney would pick it up. Alan Parker would come back, decide to rewrite the script. Even though Oliver Stone's name is on this, um, again, he had very little to do with this version of the movie. As we know, but- we've done all Oliver Stone. His version of this film would have been much more politically volatile than what this turned into. I can see why Stone was attracted to a movie like this. Stone has always been attracted to like larger than life political figures and Juan Peron is one of those guys. He's like one of the few like third way uh military dictators. He's not like a fascist, but he's not a communist either. He's like um that's what that's what's so interesting about him, because like in his first run he's very pro union. Uh he like likes abortion, which um like earns him the ire of the Catholic Church when he comes back in the seventies. He's very like right wing, but by that point he's like pissed off enough people. The Catholic Church actually cures his ass and ushers yep. in like a thirty year dictatorship. And that's the thing about this movie that that history barely gets brought up in this. Oh like, no no, there's no scene where Juan Perón is hanging around with Nazis. 
No, that, <laughs> there probably would have been in Stone's version. Yeah, he made over, I have it here, he made over 146 changes to Stone's script. And Stone mm. immediately shunned the production and wanted nothing more to do with it. So all of this movie is basically Alan's writing. Like this whole thing is, yeah. even though it's Al, it's a co-writer, this is Alan's film completely. There's little touches of Stone in it when the shows are chanting fucking Ava's name. That's like... It, it feels like a horror movie. It feels like a scene from Nixon. Weird, chippy, fucking, um, like, surrealist moment. Yeah, no, but um, but uh, Alan Parker, I want to talk about Alan Parker before we get into a little more about the movie. He did The Wall, but his career is so fucking weird. His career spans, like, genres and different styles. Um, he did Bugsy Malone. Midnight Express, mm. which is where the Oliver's, probably where Oliver Stone came in from, because Oliver Stone wrote the screenplay for that. I haven't seen it for a while, but it's, um, it's one of those great, uh, like, 90s, uh, mid-budget character dramas that 70s. you don't really see anymore. Oh, yeah, 70s, yeah, fuck. Yeah, so, I was no, like, confusing up something Yeah, don't worry about yeah, it. But, there's, yeah, 70, yeah. yeah, it was a, so, yeah, so Oliver Stone wrote that, and uh, he did Fame, which is a movie that I've always really, um, that is, like, truly to be one of the best LGBTQ films ever made, because it's, it's appropriately, like, miserable, but also, you watch that great line between being very whimsical, but also the harsh realities of being a gay child, a gay kid, yeah. especially in, 80s New York where that shit was not okay. That and Paris is Burning are like one of those just perfect movies that really capture yeah. that time and place. Speaking of uh, gay movies, I was confusing Midnight Express with uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. That feels like Alan Parker would have done that if... Uh, oh yeah, that feels uh, like pretty gay movie. But uh, yeah, we also have... Uh, yeah, he does The Wall, obviously his most famous film. He does Angel Heart, the neo-noir oh, yeah. horror with Mickey, Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro which is fucking awesome if you've not seen Yeah, that. another uh, surrealist nightmare. The, the scene where fucking Mickey Rourke's going down to the elevator in hell and Dino you know, Rose just fucking, like, whispering his name over the credits. It's uh, good stuff. Yeah, and then he directs Mississippi Burning, which is my favorite mm -hmm. of his. That movie is fucking harrowing, man. It's it's based on a real story about the KKK murdered three different um, civil rights leaders in Mississippi, and the police did nothing. Shocking yep. that the 1960s in Mississippi were a hotbed of racist fuckery, huh? Yeah, it, it takes uh, Gene Hackman to uh, like come in and slap the uh, the sense into Michael Rooker and uh, Brad Dourif. It's, uh, yeah. it's probably his best film now that I think about it. It is easily like, his most normal film. Like a lot of oh, his yeah, films yeah. have surrealist elements, whereas this this one is just a straightforward like procedural and it's also appropriately very grim because, again, you know, 64 Mississippi. Not a lot of shit gets done there now. Parker's films, like, they always have a weird political element to it, like fame as, um... If you haven't seen fame for a while, you'll probably forget that's about AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a very radical film, especially in, the, again, the, the early 80s in New York where that shit was just starting to take off and brag culture wasn't really a thing until... No. Like, that was underground until, like, wasn't mainstream until then, but... Yeah, until, like, I would say, like, 1980, like, the late 90s, uh, drag culture starts becoming, like, mainstream, yeah. whereas, like, yeah, the 70s, it was, like, Paris is burning and stuff. Yeah, and then uh, it kind of wallows for a while. He does a bunch of, like, he does a movie called come see paradise which i only know about because so in 2014 the university of Cal los angeles did a study on what is the most oscar Beatty film ever made 
because they like looked for different things. Like this movie has to be about religion, culture, like war. They did like a list of 300 movies and this was the one that like oh, yeah. topped every single cliche they were looking for. And yeah. that's the only reason I know about it. <laughs> so it's like the uh, Oscar Gold segment from uh, American Dad. Pretty much. I Dublin. mean, it, it's man, that joke's so fucking far. It's, uh... it's it's about um it's about Dennis Quaid in World War Two falling in love with a Japanese woman, and there's like religious. Mm. It is like it is the Oscar Gold segment from American Dad. That's the best way to describe. I haven't seen it, but you can see the trailer and it pretty <coughs> the jokes pretty much write themselves. I think he did this film because again that movie didn't do well. He kind of yeah. went back to the UK for a while. I was like, I need a hit. And- and then, and then this film actually won Oscars, which is very Oh, it far. made money. It was a hit. This movie actually was a financial success. One of the things I loved when I was reading about the production was how Madonna got involved with this. Uh, Madonna penned a letter directly to Parker begging her to do... I, she was like, I want to do this movie. Please let me do this movie. Because he was looking for actors. He Again, he Glenn Close... Uh, again, Meryl Streep was also uh, coming back in the picture, but Madonna just begged him and begged him until he relented. He's like, fine, you can fucking be in the movie. Alan Parker had a monster, overinflated ego. From what I had heard that about his past films, that it was always an Alan Parker film. He liked being the king of the movie, no matter what it was about or who was in it. Well, in a Madonna film, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's going to be Madonna. And not Alan Parker. Yeah. And he couldn't really deal with that very well. I basically told him, I said, Alan, look, you know, I know that you think that I'm Madonna's best friend. And I know that you feel a little slighted by that or something, but you're the one who hired me. I'm, I'm here to work to make your vision be fulfilled, not Madonna's vision. She's also here to make your vision be fulfilled. Right. That's why we're here, you know? And I said, but if you don't want me, if you don't think you can work with me, I don't need to be here. You know, we still have two weeks before principal photography and I'm more than welcome, willing to go home and you can bring somebody else. There's a lot of other people that can do this job, you know? And he walked around a little bit and then he came over and he said, I want to apologize. I'm, I'm wrong and I'm glad that you told me this and I appreciate you being here. And I didn't want to leave that film. I, I, I had been offered that film by two previous directors who almost did it. Um, so it was destined for me to do that film. This was the third time it was coming up and the third time I was asked, so. You don't have to do like much acting in this. No. Because like, there's very little dialogue. Mostly the entire movie is just singing. And if you're not into that, then you're probably not gonna like this movie. But um, there's such a fucking weird cast. Like you've got Madonna, yeah, she makes sense because she's you know, well, stunning I mean, and it, sting. It, it makes sense. And then you've got fucking like Jonathan Price, who's very much not a musical theater guy, is Juan Perón. He, he basically speaks, sings his dialogue. Dice are rolling, the knives are out, would be presidents are all around. I don't say they mean harm, but they'd each give an arm to see us six feet underground. He doesn't actually sing in this movie. Here's the thing. When I first watched this movie, I had no idea this whole movie was going to be singing. I thought most normal musicals, dialogue, like musical, like we would have dialogue and then song and then another. Yeah, like a fiddler on the riff or something. Yeah, it would be fiddler on the riff. No, this is all singing. Two and a half hours of singing. And 
yeah, Jonathan Price speak singing probably the best thing he could be do for that. But uh, yeah, Antonio Banderas is weird. Now in the actual stage play, just to bring on the stage play, I when I saw the film, I thought his name being Che was like obviously a, a cheeky joke. But in the stage play, it's basically just yeah, supposed to be Guevara, Che yeah. Guevara, which that that doesn't even get brought up in this movie at all. And I don't know if that was like sort of a a thing that I'm not sure if it was a touchy thing that Robert Stigwood didn't want, but. It, yeah, I, I went onto the Wikipedia because I thought like he's playing Che Guevara, but he looks nothing like him. No, he doesn't have a mustache or anything. No. But it's like, yeah, he's just named Che. Why is Che Guevara narrating this fucking one per own movie? That's one like, of the things. Like never met in real life. That's one of the things that's so fucking nuts. When I actually did some reading on the the play itself, was just like, the, again, I, I don't know who to blame on this because I know Tim Rice is a pretty right wing guy. That might be part of it. Which is hilarious for a right winger to be writing musicals and shit, but that might yeah. be an Andrew Lloyd Webber. Because Andrew Lloyd Webber, and we got into it when we know this, because this has Andrew Lloyd Webber's fingerprints all over it. He does not know how to do subtlety at all. That's always no. been the big joke. Like, I'm not a musical theater guy, but you don't need to be into musical theater to know that everyone in musical theater fucking hates Andrew Lloyd Webber. He is universally reviled in that community. And it's, I can see why, because it's not hard. I mean, we've seen... Yeah, he's... One of my ex-boyfriends was, like, very into musical theatre. And Andrew Lloyd Webber was, like, the, the art figure of musical theatre, but he's also the devil. He's, like, the one guy everyone's just sort of embarrassed to be around. Because, well, I mean... like, yeah, he, he produces shit like Cats and fucking uh, Moonlight Express or some bullshit. And it's like, oh, okay. It was uh, the uh, cat. My, my favorite review of that Cats movie does come from Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Um, I bought a dog. That, that's the that is a good review that's the only review that i actually got a chuckle at because that movie yeah. when that came out was like universally shadow but yeah no oh, yeah. cats the movie is like one of three movies i've walked, like ever walked out of the cinema from i got like 15 minutes into that and it's like there's not enough alcohol in this cinema to fucking placate me enough for this i, I rented it from my library on blu-ray and i was so freaked out i was like i can't watch this. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a nightmare. Like, it's I, a nightmare. we both watched and we both talked about horror films this year all of them less disturbing to watch than cats holy jesus fucking what, what, what was uh, what was James, what was that guy's name like chris christopher yeah, yeah like christopher <laughs> jones or something <laughs> And it's like, uh, what did? Because oh. I know Cats is based on like, um, it's like PG Woodhouse. It's some like, like PG Woodhouse story about. Yeah, T.S. Eliot book. And again, I just cut back to the Norm MacDonald quote. And in a related story, this week marked the 5,000th performance of the Broadway musical Cats. It also marked the 5,000th time a guy turned to his wife and said, What the hell is this? <laughs> This is a very hard movie for us to really talk about because it, the, the the most of the reviews I've read of this movie is that it's basically a two and a half hour music video, and that's honestly the best way to describe it because it's a very it it, it goes through Evada's entire life like from her like it opens with her when she's like fifteen years old. Um, yeah, and what luxury she is like six, like right up to her death. It's it's, it's the Napoleon thing. Like this person's life is so long and varied. It's kind of impossible to like cram it into a two-hour-long movie. Yeah, and I think this movie very much like skims over a lot of things because Evade is a weird figure of history. Because I, th I, when, I we, when I was reading the making of the movie and the musical, everyone involved seems to not really have an opinion on her, like not a concrete one. Tim Rice didn't, Andrew Lee Weber didn't, even fucking Alan Parker 
when he was directing this movie, did not know how to feel. And I watched a, a documentary about him. They did a retrospective at the BBC, and he was talking about if this movie had been a straightforward drama, he would have been a lot more critical. Basically would have done what Oliver Stone probably wanted to do with this movie. It's weird trying to, like, parse the politics of this. Because you have scenes of, like, them hanging around with uh, working class people. Weird Catholic church stuff in this. Like, when um, her and Perone are getting married. Because Perone, um, even though he was Catholic, he fucking hated the church. So he's just, like, shooting daggers at the priest while he's getting married. I love that. Uh, oh, there's some, again, and I'll say this about the film is that uh, th- from a raw production standpoint, this is a oh, absolute, all the money's on that screen. Uh, the, the opening we talked about, it looks like something out of The Godfather and the coup scene, the 20 minute long coup scene that's also a rock song. I've been sung from party at the point of a gun. They were slightly to the right of Matilda the Hun. I bought more two and very few objectives. I don't know about you, but Antonio Barra's trying to sing rock music is drove me to madness. <laughs> yeah, that- he's uh he's such a weird inclusion in this. I've heard him sing before and he's like fine. But he's the narrator of this movie. Yeah. He's doing most of the musical numbers. But, Couldn't you have got someone else? But he's also like he's also an audience surrogate and is also a Argentinian everyman. You're not really sure what his character is supposed to be because at the like in the beginning he criticizes her, then like joins them and mourning. It, it it feels very much like I don't even think Alan Parker knew what the fuck to do with this. It's no, like, he's he's uh, actually just there because Che Guevara's in the musical, and it's like we have to keep him in, I guess. I feel like well, no. I think I have a theory why he's in this. Um, she, she he was fucking Madonna at the time. Now Madonna that. is probably most well known, at least to like Madonna's a weird figure now in modern times, like because most people know her now and always like that creepy old woman who. Uh, one of my favorite Twitter shit posts was everyone would retweet. Her 2016 Hillary for President dance. Oh, hell yeah. That used to be just... I, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's worth checking out if you can't, because it's hilarious. She's best known for just fucking everybody in Hollywood. Like, everyone. She uh, Guy Ritchie, she famously drove him insane. My favorite... Uh, and Antonio Banderas, who I'm pretty sure she was the reason he got cast. Because there's, like, videos of them, like, early on. Like, they're flirting when she's getting her hair done. And yeah, this is, uh, this is right after their... Uh... Like very public divorce from Sean Penn, who, if you read yeah. uh, Madonna's biography, Sean Penn uh, does not come off good from that. No, no, and Sean Penn doesn't come off good even if you don't read that biography. <laughs> He's a real scumbag in that. But my favorite story of Madonna, how how fucking high maintenance she is, was she was banging Warren Beatty when she made Dick Tracy, and right after Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty gets married, the most infamous man whore in the history of Hollywood. Dated Madonna for like a year and said, I gotta tie it off. Fuck this. I can't do this anymore. Warren Beatty was in his uh, like mid 40s when he did Dick Tracy, and Madonna is still like very fresh faced and stuff. So it's like, it's old Hollywood coming into contact with new Hollywood. So I just love to imagine she fucked him into marriage. That's what I love yeah. to do. Because, I mean, yeah, uh, if you've ever heard the song You're So Vain, that's basically about him. He was the male version of Madonna, just a complete man whore. 
And that's probably like ultimately why Parker Cass are in this. Because Evita was like the OG rising grinder. Oh, she, she was. She was just, she slept her way to the top of fucking the like higher echelons of Argentinian power. She, she meets Juan Perón in that scene where they go to the earthquake fundraiser. And she basically just seduces him into like, you want to you wanna get married? Sure. And she gets a yeah. radio show and she has the whole fucking music number with the train and shit. <laughs> he supports you, for he loves you, understands you. Absolutely yeah. incredible spectacle this movie. Yeah, she goes from being like a, a radio actress to the fucking first lady of Argentina within like five minutes. She's basically... She, she's fucking... The reason why she's the beloved figure is because she had swag. Yeah, she like, did. Like, ever since then, enough that she was just like preternaturally beautiful. She knew how to like talk to people and f- she had fucking swag, man. Oh yeah, no, and that's... Her legacy is so complicated it's, within it's, Argentina because it's... it's... It's pretty much the same as Juan Perón's. The, the Argentinian working class still loved Perón, even though he was like a brutal dictator. Whereas, um, greatest like Malel, the new fucking, uh, like Robert dictator, fucking hates Perón. Not because he was a military dictator, but because he was like vaguely left wing. Which it seems to be a lot of reasons why right wing dictators hate other dictators. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like, it's just fucking. Red card versus yeah. blue card shit. It makes no fucking Very much. sense. And, and, and it's the same for Avita. Like, half the population loves her because she was the daughter of the people and shit. Whereas, like, that's, that's what's so interesting about, um, like, the actual, like, vague politics about this movie. The, the upper classes fucking hated her. Like, you have these 10-minute-long um, musical numbers for, like, the upper crust of Argentinian society are just like calling a whore, yeah. calling out a fucking like bimbo. Uh, probably Stones added that as well. The the way that this paints the upper crust in Argentina is just complete fucking ghouls. They sit at their fucking chairs smoking cigars. She's a whore, like very not subtle. And I I think in the way it it works for the aesthetic of this movie because. This movie, let's be honest, this movie's a fucking mess. In terms of, like, what it's trying to do. Because on the one hand, it's a musical, but it's also about political figures. And it also switches musical genres damn near constantly. There's sax numbers, synthesizer numbers. Then there's the fucking rock, the 20-minute rock coup scene that is just... And then you have the uh, most iconic song in this, which is the oh. five-minute ballad. Like, even if you haven't seen this movie, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. Oh, it's, she kills it. She fucking kills it. I'll say this about Madonna. Wherever you're acting, when she's singing in this movie, she fucking rules the screen. And that is an that is a genuinely moving like number. It really oh, yeah. is. And she sells it. And I also love the scene too, when she find out she's she's going to die of like movie illness. They never really say what she's ill with. But she has that moment where, like, <laughs> one Perone's in the hospital room, and there's you think there's this moment she's finally just gonna stop singing because everyone in this movie's fucking singing, and then she's like cracks her voice. So what happens now? I have a weird love hate relationship with musicals, and this movie didn't really change my mind. It's weird because musicals now like this when this movie came out it actually made money as I've said it actually turned a profit and the soundtrack alone probably made. 
fucking biscuits oh, yeah. for fucking I mean, Disney. But well, 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 90s was like the peak of musicals. Like you had fucking Cats, Phantom of the Opera. That was like the heyday for Broadway. Oh. Whereas now you don't really see musicals now, do you? Well, I mean, we do see musicals, but Hollywood doesn't advertise them as such. Oh, no, talk- like the, 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 the few musicals we do get, like um, Spielberg's West Side Story, just bomb hard. Well, I mean, one of the ones that did, the only one that did well recently was Wonka, and they had to not advertise (laughs) it was a fucking musical. And there's like a whole thing. We talked about this off mic. Warner Brothers literally hided it was a musical because it wouldn't test well. And that's like, and the same with recently The Color Purple. That, that like remake they did of the color purple where they're like it's a bold new take on a classic but not telling you why it's a bold take and yeah. then you have to read oh they did a Broadway musical in like 2015 that did insanely well won like 12 Tonys none of that shit is uh, brought up in that trailer that's a long article from a few weeks ago I remember, like Hollywood has to check people into watching musicals because like the test audiences uh, really don't like them. Well, I mean, it's not like musicals can't do well. I mean, you'd, you'd go back a couple years, like La La Land and The Greatest Showman made money and were successful. But again, I, I just feel like, I don't know. Again, we talk about audience tastes fundamentally changing. I feel like people want a little more of a cynical fucking edge now to their movies. That's why Oppenheimer can do so well and shit like that. Like Barbie will still do well because wide moms across the world are going to go see that. But I feel like, musicals are known there's very few musicals that are particularly like grim and very no. like, like nihilistic that doesn't exist like we have the wall uh maybe like one gene kelly musical i can remember from like yeah. the 50s <laughs> that's about it musicals have always been something I, I they hit or miss for me hard i think this one i i love the spectacle of it i love the 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 scope of it and the production but Again, I, I feel like I didn't learn. If you know nothing about uh, Ava Perone or Juan Perone, you're not going to learn jack shit from this movie. No. This is not a history lesson. This ain't even close to a fucking history lesson. But even if you do, it's just sort of like, um, okay, what was the point of all of this? Like, I, yeah. got, I got a watered down version of, of history, which I mean, again, it has, this definitely has its place, but it just, it just for me, like, outside of the spectacle, I just kind of washed over me. I'm like, well, eh. I would say I like this movie. It's um like the music's great, the spectacle's great, one little acting in it is uh is very good. As a historian Very hard the, there's there's so much like more fascinating stuff. Like give give, give me a fucking musical number where Han Perone is hanging like auto scores in it. And fucking Joseph Mengele and shit. Give I me want, that. I, the one with Mussolini, I would love. It'd be like tap dancing and shit. Mussolini tap dancing. Uh, Perona is like another rising grinder. He's like a captain in the Argentinian military. And because he's like there at ground zero for all these succession of cues, he just slowly warms his way up to the president, like quote unquote the president, which is so weird. Like his second uh, like time round in the 70s where he actually like wins an election, actually democratically elected, and then like three years later he uh, he dies unceremoniously. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, he leaves behind an interesting legacy and so does his wife and just, yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, but t- to wrap this up, I think, um, I, like I said, I, I don't hate this film, I do enjoy it for sheer spectacle, but yeah, I blame most of this, this has nothing to do with Parker or Madonna or the cast, this has all to do with, I think, Andrew Lloyd Webber's fingers involved. Because you look at Andrew Lloyd Webber, none of his shit yeah. has any substance. Like fucking, we we fan of. Yeah, I feel I feel like at the film adaptions of his musicals, most of them are dog shit. 
Oh yeah, like the uh, like cats. Um, the Phantom the of the Opera. Bo- yeah, the Jared Butler movie. God yeah. damn. I love Joel Schumacher, but that's a rare L from him. Let's cast. Oh, let's cast Gerard Butler to sing. What a great Jesus fucking Christ. idea! Yeah, Jesus, God in heaven. Cats is easily the most infamous of the bunch. Uh, that yeah. Movie. Yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar I have not actually seen. A huge convention, a huge commemoration, fuck, god damn it. A huge, (laughs) huge respect to the crew in the cast. Madonna tries her fucking best in this movie, and I'd say she, she, this is probably the best performance I've seen from her, I'd say. Because her acting career is, it's it's weird. She she has... She's basically playing herself in every movie, like Desperately Seeking Susan, uh, League of Their Own. Yeah, she's just uh, herself. Dick Tracy, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent herself. Uh, whereas in Avita, she actually has to like play a person, which is um yeah. So I, I, say I, whatever I, you want about it. She I, actually has to like do stuff. I've talked about this as well uh, with you, but uh, for our audience, please check out Body of Evidence, uh, the erotic thriller <laughs> she did with Willem Dafoe. If you ever want to see Willem Dafoe and Madonna have a sex scene, um. Well, oh it's there for you if you want it, and it exists in body of evidence. Because it was like, yeah. that was in the period, like, Body Heat just came out, and, you know, William Hurt yeah, fucking, and Kathleen uh... Turner have sexual chemistry. No one in body of evidence has sexual chemistry. <laughs> yeah, the 90s, it was either, like, very dry, uh, like, mid-budget docudramas, or fucking, uh, like, basic instant clones. And that's oh. probably one of the worst. Oh, boy. Oh, fuck, I gotta rewatch Basic Instinct again. God damn it. Hell yeah. Oh, that movie's so sleazy. So fucking sleazy. Oh, but, uh, yeah, no, Aveda's, uh, yeah, I, I, I give Aveda a mild recommendation. If you're a fan of Madonna or a fan of musicals, or if you just yeah, want to kind of green out to some spectacle, it's, it's worth it. But I, I think fascinating as an artifact of that period of the 90s where, like, again, this was brought out by Disney. And there was a mm. weird period, like, Disney made actual movies for adults. Oh, like, yeah. They were Menace made, to society. Menace to the dead presidents and shit. Like, they were actually putting out, like, actual, like, counter-programming. And they just don't do that anymore. Outside no. of the shit they dump on Hulu which no one fucking sees, yeah, that is not a thing for them anymore. Well, that's so, like, interesting about Disney in the 90s, because they had the, like, golden period in the 50s and shit, and then they have this, like, weird little renaissance in the 90s, Aladdin and Lion King and shit, but they're also doing, like, proper movies, like, yeah, fucking Dead President Society, fucking... Nah, that's such a good movie. I, I haven't seen that for a while, but, man, that's it, so fucking it, it good. It holds up way better than it should. Because, you know, uh, particularly dead presidents, these guys serve their country in Vietnam and their country won't help them. And then they get put in prison because they're trying to feed their family. It's uh, the Hughes brothers, man, they were, th- had they not completely kind of fallen apart, those guys could have been one of the greatest American brother filmmakers since the Coens. But yeah. unfortunately, we can't have good things. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's pretty sad. It's much like Alan Parker's uh, career, yeah. uh, pretty this, much wasted. Though. This movie would end up being his like last. Re- he did movies after this, but I mean, this is kind of his last hurrah as a director. And then he does a Kevin Spacey film, quits, and then dies. So that's oh boy, yeah, not a good ending to an otherwise pretty respectable fucking career. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's Aveda. That's uh, first musical. I don't know if we'll ever do another musical because these are. This was very difficult to review. I think. I don't know. I would like to do Fame at some point because well, that's like, not really a very music- dark. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's one of those movies that's 
that's what's so interesting between like a musical and like something like Persona Queen the Desert that just like happens to have music in it and fame is one of those movies. Oh, fame it's, is uh, absolutely going to be a Pride Month uh, episode. Oh, hell yeah. Fame's good. The more I think about it, like, when I was doing research for this episode, I kind of rediscovered that film. The movie is way ahead of its time. Fucking like, great soundtrack as well. Oh, man. that's Most people who listen to that soundtrack are like conservative moms who have no idea what that movie's about. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, so uh. that's the thing about great music. It transcends all political and social barriers. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but um, join us next time. We'll be, uh, we'll oh. be transcending politics again by talking about uh, a certain uh, beloved lawyer that appeared in uh, a certain list recently. Oh, that, oh yeah, boy. we teased that, uh, and uh, we were going to do something else, but uh, let's just say his inclusion uh, has, has bumped this up the list very fucking fast, so buckle mm. up. It's going to be a fun It's going to be a fun year. <laughs> How does one come up with an idea like cats? And are you a cat person? Well, I am a cat person. Um, well, I was... A, a total cat person until I saw the Cats movie. <laughs> but what happened to the Cats movie was during the course of it being, um, as it were, shot, which I hope the whole movie would have been. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, um, I bought this little puppy, and he was called Mojito. Little, he's a little Havanese dog. He comes from Cuba. So, you know, one of those things, you know you're allowed to take a, a therapy or a dog like that kind on aeroplanes. You know, yeah. you can. Oh, sure. The other, but you have to have a doctor's certificate to do it. Yes. You know that. So, I forget which airline it was now, but um, I said to the airline, I have to have my little therapy companion dog with me. And they said, you need a doctor's letter. And so I just said, I saw the Cats movie and bought a puppy. And they said, and they said, no doctor's letter required. 